so excited about today. My goodness. By the way, my name is Josh. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here, chief servant, whatever you want to call me. Um, glad you guys are here. So glad that you're here on a holiday weekend to be in the house of the Lord. How many of you, you your clothes aren't exactly fitting just right this this morning? Yeah, those doggone pants shrunk a little bit, I'm sure, around the waistline. Uh, those shirts don't fit a little bit, I'm sure. I, people go through these like these different phases and struggles when they eat, at least I know I do. Like you hit this point, big like Thanksgiving, all this good food is there. And like you get this strategy where you're like, I'm not going to overeat this year. I'm not going to overeat this year. I'm not going to overeat this year. And we put the food on the plate and we say, okay, first plate's down. I, you know what? I think I got a little bit of more room for, for something. You go back for seconds and then you're just done. Like, I'm just so stuffed. I can't eat another. Is that pie? Oh, my gosh. That looks good. Is that pie? Oh, man. That's some pie. Oh, my gosh. There's just no more room. I can't eat. Is that? Well, this is a different kind of pie. I'm going to try that. I have to eat all that stuff. Like, we go through these phases of struggle. Um, but I'm glad that you're here. Some of us walked in. Some of us had to waddle in because we're still getting rid of that Thanksgiving food. But I'm glad that you're here one way or the other. Uh, how many of you are excited about what God's doing in your life right now? I'm so excited about what he's doing in my life, what he's doing in the church, and I'm very excited about what he's going to do in our lives this morning. We're in the middle of a great series um, that started a few weeks ago called Move. Move. Why'd you call it Move, Josh? What in the world's up with that? Because I feel like it's time for all of us to take another step and move closer to God, to move further away from sin, to move closer to the person that he created you and I to be. And I think that's a great goal. What do you guys think? I think it's time for us to take those steps and to move it individually and corporately as a church because God's got a plan for us and God's taking us somewhere. So the first week we took a look at, at, at our lives and we, we took a look at the promise of God and we decided, you know what, the promise of God that lies before us is worth taking the steps to cross over whatever barrier sits in our life and move closer and into that promise because his promise is always faithful. His promise is always true. And when he promises something, you can set a date in the future. It's a set done thing. The difference is what's going to take for us to get between where we are now and the fulfillment of that promise. It's a set thing in the future. The second week, we, we took a good look at ourselves and we looked at how the children of Israel, when they sent spies over into the promised land, we kind of stepped back in time, because this series is not in chronological order at all, um, we took a step back and we looked at how when Moses sent out the spies, these guys went out and they got intimidated by everything that they saw. They saw the giants in the land and they got focused on themselves and their own inadequacies. And so we talked about falling into that selfie trap that keeps so many people from stepping into the promise of God. Last week, I was really excited because we, ju we jumped forward in this story in our series, and we looked at the transition between this generation who saw God do so many powerful things at this period in the, in the time of Israel. They saw God do so many powerful things, but they forgot to pass that on to the generation coming up behind them. And so we decided as a church body that we weren't going to forget the next generation coming up, that we weren't going to leave our children and our students hanging, that we were going to own our responsibility to set the standard and prepare the way and to set them up for success in their walk with God and in life in general. So we made that decision. How many of you were here last week when we made that decision as a body? Yeah, listen, if you weren't here, you can make that decision today. And we decided, we set some big goals last week too. 
We didn't just talk shop. We said, you know what? We're not just going to announce the intent to do something for our children and our, and our youth um, and our students. We want to make sure that we're stepping up and we're putting action behind what we say. So we make commitments in our lives to set the standard at home as parents and as adults and people who are influencers in the life of our children and our students because it starts with us. Guys, I feel a little hot and I got a little ring. Can you bring me down just a little bit back there? I appreciate it. Um, so we wanted to set the standard and prepare the way for our children. And we made a commitment as a church body. We set a goal for between now and Christmas season to set up a special Christmas offering to begin to fund and resource our student and our children's ministries here at Life Point Church going into the next year. And we set a goal of what? Cricket, cricket. What was it? $10,000 we wanted to set as a base budget for these ministries to operate on. Because if we want to make an impact in our community, we've got to fund and resource the ministries that are going to do it. Amen? It just makes sense. It just ma- Did you know that this year, approximately a million teenage girls are going to become pregnant? Out of that million, 350,000 of them, 350,000 of them are going to choose to have an abortion. Talk about a catch-22. I think we can do some work as a church to do our part to put out that fire before it starts. Amen? Did you know that daily, this is not weekly, yearly, month. this is daily, daily, approximately 3,400 teenagers attempt suicide a day in the United States. Shouldn't be that way. There's a problem facing the next generation, and we wanted to step up and say we could do our part to put a dent in that and to reach the people. And we're going to do that by resourcing and taking care of our student and children's ministries here at Life Point Church, because they've given them a great God's given them a great vision to reach the children and the youth around this area. We're going to send them out and let them do it. And beyond that, listen, we're going to reach our own kids too. Amen. So we set a goal between now and December twenty fourth. I want us to begin to give as a church body above and beyond what we already give. And here's the logic behind it. You're already going to buy your kids a Christmas present probably. You're already going to give your kids a Christmas present probably. What we're suggesting is this. As parents, as adults, maybe we add one more present on that list. And we just set them up for success and give them the gift of Jesus and the gift of an awesome ministry that will help build the spiritual foundation in their life so as we're get buying presents and and spending money and and putting stuff on that credit card and smoking it up um let's keep in mind that as a church we want to give a present to our students and our children and i don't know if we can hit ten thousand dollars between now and december 24th i do know this on december 24th we're going to take up a special offering in-house to go towards that but you can begin to give right now you can give, um, if you, if you, you know, we already took up the offering, but you can chase down an usher and you can put money in their hands if you want to, or you can come to me and give to it. You can give online. We actually set up a fund online and on the app that you can give to, these pro- to this project for. Go ahead and begin now. And what I want to be able to do is come up to you week after week as we get closer and announce how close we are to hitting this goal. I would love for us to be able to knock it out and to give these guys a ministry budget to operate on so that they can reach the next generation. Doesn't that sound like a great goal? Yeah. Like an awesome goal. We want to be able to do that. If we don't hit it, you know what we're going to do? We're going to treat it just like we did 
the church that we wanted to build over in Africa. We set a goal to have it done by the end of one year, and we missed it by a couple of months, but we kept giving to it, and we kept it as a focus and a priority. I want to do that. I want our children and our students' ministries to know that they matter, to know that they're appreciated. I want our students and children to know that they're loved, and I want us as parents and as adults to own that and participate and help fund these ministries for the next year. Sounds great? So keep that in your mind. This is great goals, great goals. We did a lot last week. Uh, how many of you are excited about that? Yeah? All right. I'm very excited about it. Now do this. Do this, because there's been a lot that's happened this morning. Look at the person next to you. Look them straight in the eyes. It's probably going to get awkward. Look them right in the eyes and say, hey, stay awake. God wants to do something in your life. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, um... If you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Don't put it up there on the screens yet, guys. Um, but I'll go ahead and open them up because I want you to be able to get to it quickly. I want to save a little bit of time this morning. Um, these children of Israel are on this journey that we've been talking about. Coming out of Egypt, crossing the Jordan River, moving into the promised land that God's given them. And they face some struggles and some situations. And now they have, in this story, they have crossed over the Jordan River. They've set up camp on the other side. And they're looking at this city called Jericho. Now Jericho is this huge military fort of a city. They, the walls of Jericho, some historians say, were so thick that they actually had chariot races on top of the walls. That's pretty, that's pretty thick. That's pretty wide. So these things weren't small. They were probably pretty big. So these guys cross over, and they're looking at the first military conquest that they're going to have to face as a group moving into the promised land. Jericho, huge walls, thick walls, almost impossible to approach. Impossible to approach. They had towers built into the walls to attack people when they tried to mess with them. It was a, it was a huge fort on the river cutting off a bunch of passes. It was there to protect. It was there to just knock people out when they came against it. And that's what they're looking at. So they begin to prepare. And the Lord begins to speak to them. And he begins to tell them his plan and what he wants them to do. But what happens here is something that as you're, you get a chance to go back and read over it, guys, I want you to read over it later and appreciate what God is going to do with these people for the next little period of time before they actually attack Jericho. God becomes Mr. Miyagi to these people. Like just straight up Mr. Miyagi. How many of y'all seen the movie The Karate Kid? Ah, oh, it's a classic. If you hadn't seen it, you need to, um, man, you need to watch it. So this dude named, what's his name? Daniel San. Daniel San getting beat up by some bullies. So he goes and finds this guy named Mr. what? Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi is supposed to be training him and teaching him karate. But in the beginning, Miyagi doesn't train and teach him karate so much. Miyagi works the junk out of him. He's just like, man, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to get some free slave labor out of this. He teaches him how to wax the cars. And y'all can do this with me. What is he telling him to do? Wax on, wax off, wax on. No, no, no. He would always correct him. Wax on, wax off. And he'd paint the fence. He'd go up. Down, up, down, paint the fence. And then what did he have him do? Sand the floor, right? You get down, sand that floor. He was sanding that porch. Right, big circle. 
big circle, the sand of the floor. And Daniel's son just had it, man. He just had it. And he's like, man, all I'm doing is being your slave. All you're doing is working me to death. And then in one of the best twists in movie history up to that point, Miyagi kind of pulled the blonders off his eyes and says, ha ha, no, I'm not. I'm teaching you something and the process of what you perceive as a struggle and what you perceive as work. I'm preparing you without you knowing that I'm preparing you. And I was like, holy smokes, that's just, man, you could preach off that for weeks. You could just preach off that for weeks. And I thought, probably not weeks, but I'm going to preach off of it today. I want to have some fun with it today. Miyagi just completely Jedi mind tricked him and walked him through this process. And, you know, a lot of times God does that in our walk with him. Like he'll use life and situations and circumstances to teach us and prepare us and to make us a better tool in the hand of God. He'll use circumstances and other people sometimes to hone us into that person that he wants us to be. You know, I don't think we should ever overlook the power of practicality in our spiritual walk. God's got a way of using life and using situations and circumstances to shape us. Now, that doesn't mean that God always sends every situation. That doesn't mean that God always sends every person that causes friction in your life. There's a whole lot of factors that come into play, and God's not the only culprit in that. Now, God can send a situation into your life, and God can send a person into your life. But you know, sometimes we cause our own problems. We cause our own problems. We're in Christmas season right now. You know how many people at the end of January when they get that credit card bill are going to go, oh my gosh. You know how many people are not going to have funds? How much people are going to be short and in, in, short on change and in debt because we put ourselves in that hole going into the holiday season and Christmas season? Well, we create our own financial pressure by doing that and our decisions that we make. We can do that. We can do that. Look, if you're a guy and you're dating three chicks at the same time, mm, three ladies at the same time, you're creating your own problem right there. You got a storm brewing. Look, player, I know you think you're having fun, but the game's going to be up. And you're going to get cut by somebody. You better watch out. And it's not going to be anybody's fault but your own. We can bring our own storms into our lives. You know, Other people can bring those things in. Sometimes there's just that person at work. I get it. Sometimes there's trouble in relationships. I get it. We all pay taxes right now because of a decision that somebody else made. Isn't that fun? Other people can influence your life. And then sometimes the enemy just attacks you. Sometimes the devil just comes in and tries to hit you and beat you up. But you know what? We serve a God that can take whatever life throws at us and put a little change in it, and make it work out for the good of those who love and trust him. Amen? So no matter what you're facing or what life's throwing at you, whether you made the mess or somebody else did, or the enemy's attacking you, or God's legitimately just doing stuff in your life, he has got a way of taking it all and making it work out according to his plan at the end. So if we trust him through the stuff that we're going through, he'll pull a little Mr. Miyagi on us and get us a little bit more ready for the promise that he has in our life. Amen? Makes sense? You guys still with me? All right. He just went through a series of things with the people of Israel, and I just want to highlight and jump through these things and, uh, and talk about them because it's amazing. Jericho is in front of them, and this is what God asked the children of Israel to do first, to prepare for this huge military conquest. Joshua chapter 5 
Verse 2, go ahead and put that on the stream. <laughs> At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah. Holy moly. Circumcise the Israelites again. Everybody cool with, y'all, y'all understand what circumcision is, right? Everybody, nobody has a, nobody's in, in the dark about that. Circumcise all of them again. He said, what? <laughs> this is the beginning of my great plan. He said, what? Circumcise them again. You know how many people Joshua had to circumcise? We know there was at least 40,000 fighting men. That's fighting men. Not counting everyone else. Okay, that's a lot of people. Some people say it could have been upwards of 100,000 people. That's a lot of flint knives to have to go through. Okay, that's a lot of practical. Have you ever just felt like God asked you to do something crazy? All right, I, I know we should probably move off this for a little bit because everybody's getting like, squirming. All the men are squirming in their seats going, mm-mm, mm-mm, Josh, no. Next thing, next thing, next thing. I get it. I get it. 40,000 people. Josh had to be obedient to what God wanted him to do. Here comes the next one. How you doing, Fred? Good. You look over there. Yeah. I, can you imagine? I know y'all looking at me. Where can you imagine the conversation that had it? Joshua comes walking up. All right, guys, I've been in prayer. I've sought the face of the Lord. He's spoken to me and told me exactly what he wants us to do. We're going to have to make some cutbacks. <laughs> and he was able to talk all the men of Israel into going through this process. It's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me. One of the most most awkward things ever. You want to talk about getting to know your people on a whole new level. A whole new level. A whole new level. Why in the world would God ask Joshua to do that? Well, it's real easy. Because circumcision back then meant covenant. It meant covenant. God was saying, I'm getting ready to move you into a place of battle. I'm beginning to move you into a period of time where you're going to begin to step into the promise that I've set up before you. Okay? But you're going to do that out of covenant with me. You're going to do that out of covenant with me. Because we've got to have a restoration of our relationship and our commitment to one another before I can begin to do something through you. Because before God does something through you, God's always going to want to do something in you to make sure that you're ready to take the steps. Amen? John, uh, John chapter 15 lays it out a little more plainly when Jesus is talking here. He says, remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's this word that God wanted these people to understand, and it's called relationship. It's relationship. Relationship. 
Before I do something with you, we have got to have a strong relationship. It's got to be restored. Jesus said, you can't do anything without a solid relationship with me. Everything in life is going to flow out of your relationship with God. Are you hearing me? It's going to flow out of your relationship with God. It's going to flow out of your time in his word. It's going to flow out of your time in prayer. This is why a lot of people don't see God do a lot of things through them because a lot of people miss out on the fundamentals. It's all in that relationship with Jesus. Now, one of the most frustrating things, though, as a pastor, when I talk to people, one of the most frustrating things that I hear people talk about is that they just have an incredibly awkward time trying to read the Bible and trying to pray. How many of y'all have experienced that? Man, it's just awkward sometimes. Like I read and I lose my train of thought or I try to pray and it feels weird because I, I don't really know what to say. And what we need to do, and this will help probably help you because it helped me tremendously, is stop thinking like you and some inapproachable God and start thinking you and someone you're trying to have a relationship with. And when you first start dating somebody or hanging out with somebody, it is incredibly awkward, isn't it? When Kelly, my wife and I, Kelly, who, dang, you look good this morning, by the way. Mm. When, when we started, sorry, I had to get that in because she does. Uh, she's mine, and I can say that, though. When we started dating, man, it was, it was so awkward at first. Like, I really liked her because I thought she was just amazing. But we just had those times where, like, in the beginning, you feel like you've got to have conversation and you got to have stuff to say. We've been married umpteen years now, and now we can just sit on a couch and there'll be silence and we're okay with it because we're just at that level in our relationship, you know. We're just comfortable. Um, but I used to, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, you guys ever, like, wrote down, like, notes of stuff like you'd like to say? All right, we can talk about the weather. I can ask her about this. I can do this, and we can just kind of hang out and fun. So if the conversation just dies out and it's like painfully awkward, you got your fallback list to get some conversation going. So there's not too much dead time. You guys ever do that, or am I just weird? Yeah, some of y'all did that. Yeah, you're telling the truth now. <laughs> you got hey, you got to have a safety net, man. You got to have a safety net. You got to be ready. It was crazy awkward for us in the beginning. And then as we kept spending time together, then we started getting little inside jokes. We could talk about things that were happening, and our relationship began to grow. And I was able to keep all these little heathen guys who wanted to date her away, to beat them away with a stick. Um, But out of that whole relationship came a a powerful moment. I, I remember it in the duplex when we were dating. She walked into the kitchen. She was putting something in the cabinet, and God spoke to me and said, that's the one. Okay. That's awesome. I didn't tell her that right then because I didn't want to freak her out. Uh, just a little hint. If God, God, especially in church, God's always speaking to single people about who he's got you to marry. Man, put that on a shelf, and, and, and don't go public with that, especially around Bible colleges. Everybody in those Bible colleges were hearing from God about who their spouses were. And didn't know, none of them married that person. You know, God was telling them every other week somebody they were going to marry. But the closeness that we had in our relationship came naturally, one step at a time. Didn't have to force it to happen. Didn't have to manipulate a situation. We just clicked. And one step at a time, our relationship grew deeper and deeper and deeper with more commitment, more faithfulness, and more love for one another. 
And I can tell you right now, I love that woman sitting right there on that front row today more than I ever have at any point in my life. And 10 years down the road, I'm going to be in love with her on a whole new level because I can just, she'll walk through the house and do something. Like she, The other night, Abby was crying and she just didn't want to go to sleep for some reason. And I came into the bedroom and I saw Kelly there. She was holding Abby and kind of rocking her on the edge of the bed. And it was just like this perfect picture of love between a, a mother and her child. And I saw her, and I just instantly just fell in love with her all over again, all over again. You have those moments where you just fall in love with your spouse over and over again, and like that love intensifies. Well, that's how your relationship with God works, okay? It's a little bit awkward in the beginning, but if you'll put in the time and hang out with this guy called Jesus, one step at a time, you'll find yourself falling in love with him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'll be, I mean, I, I, I'm closer now to God than I ever have been in my entire life. But it happens because I spend time with him and I hang out with him. And listen, if you're at a point where you feel like you're struggling in your relationship with God and you feel kind of like things aren't clicking, give it time. All right, give it time. Open up that Bible. If you don't understand it, come talk to me. I'll, I'll give you some pointers. Talk to Pastor Brad. We'll give you some pointers. If you're at a point and where you just, your relationship with God's kind of frustrating and your prayer time's kind of frustrating, don't give up. Hang out and give God time to blow you away. I promise you, if you spend enough time with him, you'll find yourself amazed, blown away. He's going to speak to you, and you're going to find yourself falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. But it all starts with relationship. Because God's not going to be able to do anything in your life or your marriage or your finances or anything else in life or on your job if we're missing that relationship with God because everything flows out of that relationship. So God looked at the children of Israel and said, you know what, before we do anything, we've got to make sure first things are first. We've got to get that covenant corrected and we've got to have a symbol of my relationship with you restored. And that's what he was doing. Um, Joshua chapter 5, God begins to do something a little bit different. Joshua does what, what God asked him to do. If you guys will go ahead and put the next block of scripture on the screen, Joshua 5, verse 10. On the evening of the fourth day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Now watch what happens here. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of the land. God had been feeding these guys manna. Y'all know what manna is? You know what the literal interpretation for manna is? What is it? Bread from heaven? Yeah. Look, he was feeding them. Like they just had tailor-made catered food all the time. God was just giving it to them, giving it to them, giving it to them, giving it to them until they began to eat the produce of the promised land. And then it all stopped. It all stopped. If you're taking notes, write down this word, growth. Growth. Because there comes a point in your relationship with God, once you get it set and once you get it happening, where the manna, the spoon-fed stuff in your relationship and in your spiritual growth stops and you got to learn how to feed yourself okay a lot of people want powerful spiritual stuff to happen in their life but they don't want to put in the wrench time to make it happen 
They don't want to take the steps to grow in spiritual areas. So they can't be in a position, if you're not growing, you're not in a position to walk into the promises of God like he wants you to. Are you following me? So God establishes a relationship with them. Then he stops the man and he goes, all right, guys, it's time for you to go to work. It's time for you to go to work. It's time for you to learn how to feed yourself. It's time for you to learn how to feed yourself. It's time for you to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. Look, I'm going to study and I'm going to prepare and I'm going to preach the word as a pastor here at this church. And whoever's here is going to bring the word of God that he lays on our hearts. We're going to lay it before you. But listen, it's up to you to feed yourself. All right. It's B-Y-O-F around here. Bring your own fork. Bring your own fork. You've got to come hungry. You've got to come ready to dig into that Bible and get what God is speaking to you. What God is speaking to you. Because early on, it's real easy to depend on other people to have a word from God for you, for other people to pray for you. There comes a time, though, when you have to learn how to stand on your own two spiritual feet and take responsibility, not just for your life, but for your spiritual well-being. Okay, And we live in a culture around here called the Bible Belt where people are used to coming in and the only spiritual food they get week to week is whatever the pastor is going to be preaching. Then we walk out the doors and nothing else happens spiritually until we come back the next week. You are never going to be able to experience the power of God and the blessing of God in your life if you operate that way. It is your responsibility to feed yourself and own your own relationship with God. You're never going to be able to conquer Jericho in your life if you aren't committed to allowing God to take you through a process of growth. You with me? He says, you guys have got to grow up. Man is done. It's time to go. If you want the fruit of the land, you have to let go of the manna. If you want the fruit of the land, you have to let go of the manna. The same thing's true in your relationship with God. If you want the power and presence of God in operation in your life, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of the basic stuff and this thing called a walk with God and allow him one step at a time to get you closer to who he wants you to be. That's on you. That's on me. Because God is not going to reach inside of you and grab your heart and drag you where he wants you to go. He gives you the ability to choose what you want to do with your life. Now, the good news is, wherever you are in your walk with God, you can choose today to begin to take steps in the process of growth in your spiritual walk. You hearing me? This is not something that you can't do. This is something that you can do, and God will equip you to do as you take one step at a time closer to Him. God expects us to grow. He expects us to grow. You're never going to experience the deep stuff in your walk with God if you don't. Um, Then something begins to happen after he's established a relationship, after they've learned how to feed themselves. um, God begins to speak to Joshua again in Joshua chapter 6. If you guys would go ahead and put that up on the screens. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, see if I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and his fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams, horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound with a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Awesome. There's a big fort out there. And this is the plan that God gives Joshua. 
I want y'all to march around it. And then on the last day, I want you to march around it seven times. And I want you guys to shout as loud as you can. And the walls are going to fall down. Joshua's got to go back to the children of Israel and sell this. All right, sometimes we read the Bible and we get a little, we get a little too spiritual when we read this stuff, okay? This is God being Mr. Miyagi practical again. He's got to walk to these people and look, God, I've been, I've been praying and I've heard God speak and here's what God's told me to do. We're going to march around this city. Hold up, hold up. You just had us make cutbacks because <laughs> God spoke to you. And now we're eating, we're having, the manna stopped, and we're having to work for our own food. And now you're telling us God's awesome plan for us to overcome this city is to walk around in a big circle around it. And then on the last day, we're going to march around seven times. Look, these people really had to trust Joshua. If I, if I told you guys, hey, look, God's God given me a plan. We're going to go to the mall. It's Christmas season. And he's told me that he's going to give us everything that's inside the mall. All we got to do is just walk around it together once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times and shout. And some of us are going to blow some trumpets. And the walls are going to fall down. And we're going to get everything for free. It's going to be like the ultimate Black Friday. It's going to be awesome. How many of y'all would show up to march around? No, you'd be like, Josh is smoking the crack pipe again. I know he says he loves God, but he done, he done fell off the wagon. He's on crack again. We need to pray for the pastor. He's just smoking it. Joshua came up, and he told these people that, and then they did it. Walking around. Why in the world would God ask these people to walk around the city of Jericho? One word. Process process he established a relationship with god with them he took them on a journey of growing up and learning how to feed themselves and now he's teaching them the principle of process now could god have just spoken to the walls and they just felt they could have fallen down at any time right god could have anointed all those fighting men and just made them samson strong they could have walked out there and just boom kicked down the walls and went in and just waylaid everybody if they wanted to he chose not to do that, though. Walking around a stinking city because he wanted them to understand that sometimes my promise comes at the end of going through my process. So you've got a promise, you've got process, and then you've got the promise fulfilled. Every time, promise process and the promise fulfilled and this is how god operates in your life because he'll give you a promise and he'll speak to you concerning something okay you got to have that relationship you got to be willing to step out and grow and trust him and then you got to be willing to go through the process and sometimes god will have you doing stuff and it feels like you're out in left field wasting time frustrated aggravated when you know what God's spoken to you here and you know what he's promised in his word that you can have but sometimes the distance between point a and point b is exactly what's necessary for us to get over ourselves okay you with me God is always going to take us through the process he's always going to put us through the process always going to put us through a process if you want freedom in your finances there's a process that you've got to go through 
There's a promise in the word that we can have the blessing of God on our life. But if you don't put him first in your finances and you don't go through that process, it's not going to happen. There's a process. There's a process in everything in life. There's a process that he'll put you through. God can give you the promise of a restored marriage, restored relationships. But sometimes the process between where you are and that promise can be a very frustrating cycle when there's other people involved. And it's the distance between point A and the promise, that process, that gets so many people frustrated because they look at the situation, they look at the circumstances, and they look at the stuff that they're facing, and they lose sight of the promise of God. Okay? Process is not your enemy. Process makes you strong. Process equips you. Process makes you a better tool in the hand of God. Process takes David from a shepherd to a Goliath and eventually puts him on the throne of Israel. You see what I'm saying? Process is always at work in your life with God. Process takes Joseph from the pit, sold into slavery, to prison, and makes him the second most powerful man in the world and fulfills the promise of God. But he had to go through a process to get there. Don't get frustrated in the process because that's how God operates. Amen? But I want to show you something that a lot of people lose sight of. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. We find that God is already working before any of this stuff begins. Before he begins to work on their relationship with God before he begins to work on how they're going to grow, before he begins to walk them through the steps of going through the process of trusting him and what he wants to teach them. Look at what's already happened. Joshua chapter 2, go ahead and put that up there. We've heard now, this is the spies that Joshua sent into Jericho before they crossed over and before they got this thing going. You're talking to a, a prostitute named Rahab. She says, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did at Shine and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. What does that mean, Josh? Before Joshua and the crew crossed over, he sent spies out, and they got this report. God had already fulfilled his promise of giving them Jericho before they even began to cross over and march to Jericho. He had already defeated the hearts of the people that were in Jericho before they began to move over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because here's the deal. It wasn't, it wasn't about the process, or it wasn't about the promise so much. If you guys go ahead and put that on the screen. It wasn't about the promise because the promise was already settled. It was about what God wanted to do in them through the process. The promise was already set. Jericho was already in their hands. Why in the world did God march them around and have them do all of that stuff? Because he wanted to do something in them. He wanted to do something in them. And between you and every promise that God has is going to be that challenge to get closer to him, that challenge to take a step in growth, and that reminder that he's going to put you through a process 
because he's more interested in what you get out of the journey than the destination of the journey that you're on. Make sense? Everybody stand with me, if you will. This is what I know. That everybody in this room right now is in the middle of some kind of process. Everybody in this room right now is either looking at your relationship with God and knowing that it's not where it needs to be or it is where it needs to be. Everyone in this room right now is looking at areas of growth that God may be speaking to you on that you either have or haven't stepped out in. Every one of you in this room is in the middle of a process that God has you on on a journey to get you past this thing called Jericho. The cool thing is, they did exactly what God told them to do. They gave the shouts. The walls of Jericho collapsed in. But that promise was already set. God had already taken care of it way back when. I wonder how many promises you guys have in your life right now that God's already working ahead of you, preparing the way, taking care of the enemies, taking care of the circumstances, taking care of the situations. It's done. His promise is set. His promise is fulfilled. Already done. But what he's got you on right now is a journey and a process to grow you along the way. Because it's not about the promise. It's about you getting closer to him. That's what it's all about. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning, say, you know what, Pastor Josh? Man, I am in the middle of a process, and right now it's tough. I'm facing some frustrating things. There are some areas that God's been dealing with me in to grow and step out in, and I just haven't up till now. There's some stuff in my life I know that's hurting my relationship with God. Pastor Josh, I know that God has promised me something. I know what his word says that I have. But right now I'm caught up in the process and I'm feeling a little lost. I'm feeling a little frustrated. And I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling in a way like I've been set off in a field and God's kind of forgotten about me. And what he said he would do in my life. If that's you this morning, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me. Because I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. Why? Because I love you and God loves you. And he doesn't want you to be lost in the process. He wants to take you through the process one step at a time. So that he can do the work in you that he needs to do in you. So all in this room. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. You say, well, you know what, Josh? I'm in the middle of a process, and I need, I either need to fix some things in my relationship with God. I need to learn how to step out and feed myself. I need to learn how to own this process of growth that I'm in. Or you're in a process right now that's got you frustrated. And if it were possible, you're at a place where you begin to, to lose sight of what God said he would do in your life. If that's you, and you want prayer, when I count to three, lift your eyes up and look at me. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. Eyes are going up all over this place. Eyes are going up all over this place. Once you lift your eyes, you can put them back down.